0: Ahoy there! Welcome to the third episode of Folk Files, a podcast that explores the origins and general history of folk songs. So far on this podcast, I have discussed an Irish or Scottish drinking song and an English wassailing song. We're going to stick with the British Isles for one more episode, but we'll move away from drinking and into the drink. And by that, I mean the Atlantic Ocean. The song that you can hear in the background is the Mingalay Boat Song, performed by my old amateur pirate crew called R. It is a song of the sea, and before we dive into its peculiar history involving sheep, plague, and high tides, we should talk about why I'm calling Boat Song a maritime song, or song of the sea, instead of a sea shanty. A sea shanty is a type of work song. That means that it was traditionally sung while doing work as a way to keep time and keep up morale. There are many work songs aside from sea shanties. On dry land, we have weaving, cotton-picking, and railroad songs, among many others. There are a few different types of sea shanties that are characterized based on the kind of work that needed to be done and the kind of rhythm that was needed. For example, capstan shanties have a consistent, steady beat, and frequently have a lot of verses because the capstan, a large winding mechanism on board ships until the mid-19th century needed to be pushed around by the crew for many rotations in order to lift up the anchor or other heavy weights. This was considered a heaving activity. So when you hear heave in a sea shanty, it means push. Heave away. It was a cold and morning in
1: December, December. December. all of me money was all spent, was all spent. where it went down to the ship and office, then I went, then back, I went, a patty lay back, patty lay back, taking the slack, taking, taking the slack, take a turn around the capstan, on, heave on. a paw, heave a paw, about ship station, boys be handy, be handy, raise tax and cheats and dance along.
0: In this recording of the heaving shanty, Patty Lay Back, collected by Smithsonian Folkways, you can hear the capstan moving, and it's mentioned in the lyrics take a turn around the capstan, heave a pawl. The pawl, P-A-W-L, is a little lever that clicks into place so that the capstan wheel doesn't slip backwards and the anchor doesn't fall. As you can tell, it's a very regular beat with a long chorus. On the other hand, halyard shanties were used to hoist sails and had short refrains rather than long choruses. That's so that the sailors could all pull on the rope in one quick motion together. There were short-haul shanties and long-haul shanties, but they usually always had a refrain with strong beats where sailors were expected to haul on the rope. In this recording of Blood Red Roses, which comes from a demonstration at Mystic Seaport in 2014, you can hear the participants hauling on go Go Down. In both these examples, there is one central shantyman. The shantyman functions kind of like the coxswain on a rowing team, but with less yelling and more melody. They have to be loud, clear, and steady, and they have to be aware of how much more work needs to be done. You can hear a member of the crew yell at the end of the last clip to signal that the work was done, but shantymen also had recognized ways of letting the sailors know that they were nearing the end. For example, the verse, I thought I heard the old man say, it's one more pull and then belay, can be heard in many recordings of sea shanties. That meant that it was almost time to stop hauling and secure the lines. There were other types of shanties, like stamp-and-go shanties, pumping shanties, and short-drag shanties, but the thing that ties them together is that they were sung while doing work. And mingale boat song, and arguably ironically many other boat songs, are not shanties. The technical term for a non-work song on board a ship is a foxhole song. The term foxhole refers to the forecastle on a ship. It's just how people pronounce forecastle if they end up saying it 20 times a day. The forecastle or foxle is where sailors usually had their quarters and where they would spend leisure time. So any songs that they sang on their own time were foxle songs. These songs were often accompanied, unlike the a cappella sea shanties, by small instruments like fiddles or concertinas. The Wellerman, for example, is a foxle song. There's no evidence that it was ever used while working on board a ship, so it's not a sea shanty.
1: Wives are waiting by the pierhead, head, Gazing seaward from the heather. Bring around, boys, then we'll anchor, Ere the sun... sun- Sets on mingle Heave her home, boys Let her go, boys Swing her head round into the weather Heave her home, boys Let her go, boys Sailing homeward to.
0: So now that I've told you what Mingalay boat song is not, let's talk about what it is. I just played the version by the Longest Johns, the group that arguably made the Wellermint famous. Mingalay boat song is sung from the point of view of a group of sailors looking forward to arriving home in Mingalay. They claim not to care about obstacles in their way because they're heading home. Here, the song is performed as a waltz. If you remember at the start of this episode, it's not always performed this way. I have found many versions that add an extra beat to each line, so performing it as Heave her ho, boys, let her go, boys Instead of Heave her ho, boys, let her go, boys For listeners familiar with time signatures, that's 12-8 or 9-8. In my research, I couldn't find where the 12-8 version originally came from, because the earliest versions, such as this rendition from Robin Hall and Jimmy McGregor with the Galliards, is in In
1: 9-8.
0: Come as some surprise that Mingalay Boat Song is not traditional. The version you just heard was recorded in 1960, less than 30 years after the song was written by Sir Hugh S. Roberton. Sir Hugh was the conductor of the Orpheus Choir of Glasgow. He was known for collecting traditional tunes for which he invented English words, or mostly English. There is some Scottish dialect in the song. For example, Hillia Ho essentially means get you home. Mary's Wedding is another example of one of Sir Hugh's creations. Folk historians say that the tune comes from Lochaber in the Scottish Highlands. They say that it's part of a longer song called Orn na which was a setting of an epic poem that deals with themes like natural land, praise for heroes and leaders, and the contemplation of morality. Throughout this episode, please excuse my best attempts at pronouncing Gallic words. The song is mostly from the perspective of an owl. The part of the song that can be linked to Mingalay boat song is called Kragwanach, named after a hill of the same name. The issue is that it's very hard to track down the original tune. Most recordings of Orne Kovahoych feature people speaking rather than singing the poem. From what I can gather, Sir Hugh had no connection to Mingalay. He simply selected it as the place where the narrator of his song was from. There are a couple odd things to note about Sir Hugh's decision. First of all, at the time he was writing his English lyrics in the 1930s, there were no human beings on the island of Mingolay. Just sheep, and I'll explain why shortly. Secondly, Mingolay has an absolutely bizarre history, and Sir Hugh mentions none of it in his song he missed out on a great opportunity to write an epic ballad about one of the stranger members of the Outer Hebrides. So, let's take a step away from music history and explore the weird history of the island of Mingalay. The name Mingalay comes from Old Norse, meaning Great Island. A means island, which is why so many northern islands, such as those in the Orkneys, end in A. You can trace it to modern Norse languages. For example, in Iceland, the word for island is eya, as in their famous volcano Eyjafjallajökull, which literally just means island, mountain, glacier. You see, I'm okay with Norse language pronunciation, it's just the Gaelic that trips me up. Mingle has the same root as the archaic English word muckle, which you can hear in old folk songs such as Lady Diamond, where the kitchen boy is a boy of muckle scorn, meaning great scorn. It is strange to call such a tiny island in the Outer Hebrides Great Island. So it's understandable why some people would think that Mingalay actually comes from Minchgala. There are a few folk singers who pronounce it that way in their renditions of the song. But the etymology doesn't line up. After all, the body of water called the Minch isn't near Mingalay, It's farther north. Which means that when the narrator of the boat song mentions the Minch, they are still a ways from home. Can yeah, we was a rendition by English duo Harbottle and Jonas, from Folk at the Corner House. Mingulay is one of the Bishop's Isles, basically as far west as you can go and still be in Scotland except for St. Kilda. It's often called the Nearer St. Kilda for that reason. Mingulay was inhabited for about 2,000 years, as is evidenced by signs of an early Norse settlement. At some point, either in the 14th century or the 16th, depending on who you believe, There was a terrible outbreak of plague that killed everyone on the island. And by that I mean it killed about 10 people on the island. Because Mingle is small and the climate is harsh and, understandably, even though it was inhabited for a long time, it was never very densely populated. Because of its location, survivors of shipwreck would often wash up on Mingle, which could be how the plague was carried to the island. According to the version of the story told by Nan McKinnon, also known as Nan of Vatersay, the larger island to the north, Bara, had noticed that the people of Mingalay hadn't come to visit in a while, and they became suspicious. They sent a boat to see what was happening. When the boat from Bara neared Mingalay, they couldn't see any signs of life, so they sent a 17-year-old ashore to investigate. The young man went into each house and then shouted in despair, Oh God, they're all dead! Nan recounts that the response from the boat was, If it's plague, you've got a stomach of it already. Thinking that the lad was infected, they wouldn't let him back on the boat. The boy survived for six weeks by using his penknife to kill sheep and eat shellfish. In other versions of the story, he huddled with the sheep for warmth or wrapped himself in sheepskin and ate frozen sheep fat. Meanwhile, back on Bara, the young man's father was furious. He wanted to go rescue his son, and after much debate, it was decided that the father could go to Mingolay with as many people as he wanted and live on the island rent-free if they were able to survive. In another version of the story, a group from Bara returned to Mingolay to set fire to all the huts and burn away the plague. They asked the young lad if he wanted to stay on the island. He said he did, and three or four friends stayed behind with him. They all built new homes— which were immediately washed away by a huge tide. This probably wasn't the first and definitely wasn't the last time that Mingolay's huge tides made the island uninhabitable. In 1868, a huge wave washed over the top of Guérim a grassy summit on Mingolay, and washed away all the sheep of the island. As if life on Mingolay weren't hard enough, in the early 19th century, its people were evicted, placed into forced servitude, and replaced by sheep. If you can't tell, sheep are the main characters in the history of Mingleay. A record from 1838 paints the story in a euphemistic light. It says, The inhabitants of Lighthouse Island have returned after sojourning three or four years on the main island of Barra at the Laird's Kelp Works. Lighthouse Island, also known as Barra Head, is a smaller island just south of Mingolay, where the highest lighthouse in Britain stands on top of a 600-foot cliff. This 1838 record refers to the period of time when the Lord of Barra decided that it would be more profitable to fill Mingolay and Barrahead with sheep and forcibly remove the human tenants and make them work in his seaweed factory. (laughs) My research into Mingolay was starting to sound like Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events, It was a nice thing that the inhabitants of Mingalay were able to return home after their forced labor and enjoy their land for 30 years before all their sheep got swept away by a giant wave. Today, Mingalay is abandoned, except for a pack of feral sheep. In 1912, the population of 140 people abandoned the arguably cursed place, pillaging land on nearby Vatersay, a much more substantial island. They left behind the lighthouse keepers, who stayed until 1980, and their newly replaced sheep. The sheep, however, were mostly evacuated in 2009, because they had to be vaccinated against blue-tongue disease. Though not all the sheep left the island. Some of them had gone wild and started charging the dogs that were being used to shepherd them. They evaded capture and are probably repopulating the island to this day. So, that is an abridged history of Mingalay, none of which appears in Sir Hugh S. Roberton's Mingalay Boat Song. It's possible that Sir Hugh never visited Mingalay and he just wanted to add to the collection of songs named Insert Scottish Island here Boat Song, of which there are many. For example, there's the Aran Boat Song, which is mostly known as a fiddle tune, but which also has lyrics, as heard here by the Kiltlifters, a Celtic folk rock group from Hawaii.
1: Put off, put off, and row with speed. For now is the time and the hour of need. Two oars, two oars, and trim the bark. Nor Scotland's queen be a warder's mark. The young light that shines round the castle moat. Is only the water's random shut Put off, put off, and row with speed Now is the time and the hour of me.
0: The tune was first written down in 1875, though it's likely much older. The lyrics come from Robert Allen's poem about Mary Queen of Scots' escape from Loch Levin Castle, a caper that involved drugging most of the island with wine. That poem was written in the late 18th or early 19th century. Arguably the best-known Scottish island boat song is Sky Boat Song, thanks to the TV series Outlander. The intro to Outlander is a rewritten version of the Sky Boat Song, which was itself repurposed to be about Bonnie Prince Charlie in the 19th century. The original song dates to at least 1782 and is a Gallic song about a cuckoo. Here's the original, sung by Mary McInnes. <laughs> It is a song of unrequited love, where the narrator laments to a cuckoo in a tree that the lady he loves is rejecting him. As the story goes, a woman named Anne MacLeod heard the tune while visiting Skye, but didn't understand the Gallic lyrics. She memorized the tune, and then in the 1870s, Sir Harold Bolton put English words to it, detailing the story of Bonnie Prince Charlie's escape from the Battle of Culloden. The lyrics mention Flora, referring to Flora MacDonald, the woman who disguised a half-starved Charlie in women's clothing and whisked him off to the Isle of Skye. So, like with the Aaron Boat Song, there seems to be a tradition of escaping monarchs being central figures in the boat songs. Sir Hugh appears to have missed the memo in writing Mingale Boat Song. It's an interesting coincidence that Sky Boat Song, a Jacobite anthem, was written by an Englishman and has no Gallic lyrics, or at least until recently. Mayor McCreary, the composer of Outlander, released a Gallic version of Skyboat Song, performed here by Grigor Lavry. <laughs> A final note on Mingalay boat song and sea shanties. Whereas many songs are not traditionally or technically sea shanties, there's no reason why you can't make them sea shanties. Folk singer and historian Danny Spooner originally categorized Mingale Boat Song as a rowing song, and having used it to keep time while rowing myself, it works very nicely. I recommend the 12.8 version over the nine-eight version, but that might just be because I'm not a very good rower. To end this episode, I'm going to play my band Music the Gathering's version of Mingale Boat Song, which is one of the tracks on our upcoming album, Level Three. As always, if you have any corrections or questions after listening to this episode, feel free to reach out to me at folkfilespodcast at gmail.com or on social media at folkfilespodcast. Farewell. May your sheep stay dry and may there be wind to your sails.
1: Oh, boys. Let... Let her go, boys sailing home.